Section 19 of Guelphs and Ghibellines by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 13. The Visconti. The Great Schism. Revolution of the Ciampi at Florence. Part 2. We have seen in the last chapter that Gregory the Eleventh returned to Rome in 1377. His first object was to make peace with the principal powers that were in rebellion against him. St. Catherine of Siena laboured to effect a peace between the Pope and the Florentines, but was unable to effect anything. The Pope placed the city of Florence under an interdict, but the Signory ordered the churches to be reopened. The Pope was more fortunate in making terms with Bologna and with Francesco, prefect of Vico, son of the famous Giovanni. At last, Bernabo Visconti was chosen to mediate between Florence and the Pope, and determined to get a share of the profits for himself. A congress was summoned to Sarzana at the beginning of 1378, in which the Florentines, the Pope, and the King of France were represented. Bernabo, for his own interests, tried to impose harsh terms on the Florentines but the business of the congress was interrupted by the sudden death of the pope on march twenty seventh thirteen seventy eight the congress was broken up and a new era opened for the church the babylonian captivity had just come to an end but the church was disturbed for another fifty years by the great schism during which two rival popes stood opposed to each other and divided the allegiance of the christian world on the death of Gregory the Eleventh, the Church possessed twenty-three cardinals, of whom six were in Avignon, one was Cardinal Legate in Tuscany. Sixteen came together in conclave at Rome. Of these, eleven were French, four Italian, and one Spanish. The French cardinals were also divided into two parties, the Limousin cardinals, created by Popes Clement and Gregory, and the rest. The Limousin cardinals were in favor of electing a pope outside the sacred college, in the person of Bartolomeo Prignani, Archbishop of Bari. He was a Neapolitan by birth, was devoted to Queen Joanna, had lived long in Avignon, and seemed to unite the conflicting claims of Italy and France. This view was generally supported by the other cardinals, notably by Pietro da Luna of Aragon who afterwards became Benedict the Thirteenth, The cardinals went to conclave on the evening of April 7th. As they entered, the people crowded round them with cries of Papa Romano Volemo, we wish for a Roman Pope. The magistrates of the city made the same demand. That night there was a tumult in the city which frightened the cardinals very much. The election took place the next morning. The Cardinal of Florence voted for the Cardinal of San Pietro. All the rest gave their suffrage to the Archbishop of Bari, but they were afraid to publish what they had done. They first recited the hours, and then they had dinner while the crowd was bawling outside. We want a Pope. We want a Roman Pope. After dinner they proceeded to a new election, when the Archbishop of Bari was unanimously chosen. Still they were afraid to make it known. 
the mob surged around the palaces and the cardinals were afraid that they would be treated with personal violence cardinal orsini now looked out of a window and cried andate a san pietro go to st peter's the mob thinking that the cardinal of st peter had been elected according to ancient customs pillaged his house and consumed all the provisions collected for the consumption of the conclave the cardinals fled for safety in all directions the newly elected pope cowered in fear in the recesses of the vatican however on the following day the election of the bishop of bari was formally declared he was crowned in the church of st john lateran and the cardinals returned to rome there can be no doubt that he was legally and properly consecrated pope urban the sixth began his reign by making some necessary reforms but in so hasty and impetuous a manner that he alienated all his friends he limited the cardinals to one dish at dinner he excommunicated those guilty of simony he declared that he would not leave rome and that he would fill the sacred college with italian and roman cardinals he was also regarded as a terrible man capable of anything the italian cardinals were with the pope at tivoli the french cardinals were at anagni and they refused to attend a consistory at tivoli to consider the legitimacy of the pope's title at last the french cardinals were brought to regret that they had consented to the election of an italian pope they removed from anagni to fondi and on august ninth declared that urban the sixth had been improperly elected under the constraint of popular tumult on december twentieth thirteen seventy eight they elected as pope robert son of amadeo the third bishop of cambrai who took the name of clement the seventh in the meantime urban had appointed twenty-nine new italian cardinals the catholic world was divided between the two pontiffs france spain and naples recognized clement the seventh the rest of italy germany scandinavia england hungary poland and portugal gave their allegiance to urban the sixth in one of the consistories held at tivoli urban the sixth had made peace with florence in terms more advantageous than those which had been proposed at sarzana but the same year witnessed the outbreak of a revolution at florence more violent than any which has been already mentioned in order to make it intelligible it will be necessary to go back to the period of the peace between florence and pisa in thirteen sixty four the power of the ammonire by which any citizens who were displeasing to the ruling faction could be excluded from power established in thirteen fifty one had been used in a most unsparing manner by the rich commercial nobles at the head of whom stood the family of the albizzi they were opposed as has been stated above by the family of the ricci who of lower rank themselves now joined by some of the grandi and by the popolo minuto and especially by the ciompi the lower artisans who were not organized in guilds the strife between the albizzi and the ricci had been so violent that in thirteen seventy two measures were taken for excluding the heads of both parties from power for five years the otto di guerra established in thirteen seventy six 
united themselves with the Ricci party, and being at war with the Pope and in alliance with the Visconti, may be regarded as to some extent penetrated with Ghibelline sentiments. They stood, therefore, in sharp contrast to the Capitani di Parte Guelfa and the family of the Albizzi, and those were supported by the Popolo Minuto. In 1378, the bags containing the names of candidates for office were nearly empty. The few names that remained in them belonged to the Ricci party. The Albizzi knew that in the next Balia, which was held to fill them, their adversaries would probably have the upper hand, and that they would be excluded from office for a number of years, just as they in their turn had excluded their enemies. They were particularly afraid lest Salvestro de' Medici should become gonfaloniere of justice. The lot, however, fell in his favor, and he became gonfaloniere for the months of May and June. In the Florentine constitution, the rule about the initiation of new measures was peculiar. The gonfaloniere and each of the eight priors held in turn the office of proposto, and this officer alone had the power of submitting any measure to the vote, whoever might have suggested the measure in the first instance. On June 18th, Salvestro de Medici, being proposto, proposed to the collegio, that is, to the priori, the sixteen gonfalonieri di compagna, and the twelve buoni uomini, that the ordinances of justice should be enforced strictly against the grandi, that the powers of the capitani di parti guelpa should be cut down, and that certain ammoniti should again be admitted to office. When the collegio hesitated to pass these propositions, Salvestro broke into the Consiglio del Popolo, who were sitting in the lower floor, and complained that what he suggested was for the advantage of the state, and that he had not been allowed to carry his measures. There was a general uproar. The square below was full of soldiers who owed allegiance to the Otto di Guerra. The Collegio, being intimidated, gave way, and the ordinances of justice were re-established for one year. There was a second disturbance on June 22nd, in consequence of which a balia or committee of eighty persons, including the Collegio and the Otto di Guerra, was appointed to reform the Constitution. Many attempts were made to effect this, but they were all inadequate. Salvestro de' Medici saw that stronger measures were necessary. He united himself with the Ciompi, who determined to gain by violence what they could not get by milder means. Their plans were hastened by fear of discovery. On July 20th, 1378, the whole city was in arms. The insurgents burnt the house of Luigi Giuciardini, who had succeeded Salvestro de Medici as gonfaloniere. They seized the sacred banner itself and carried it through the streets, destroying and pillaging as they went. The Ciompi presented a petition demanding to be included in the government. This was approved of by the Collegio, but had not yet been submitted to the Council of the People. The mob now attacked the Palace of Justice, crying out, Come down, all of you, and be off with you. We will not have any more signori. The priors and the rest of the government yielded to the cry, and the palace was in the possession of the people. It happened 
that the gonfaloniere of justice was carried up the great staircase by a poor wool carter with ragged clothes and bare feet called Michele Lando. By a spontaneous impulse, he was summoned to the post of gonfaloniere. He might have used his power to increase the anarchy for his private ends, but he really employed it to give tranquillity to the city. He deposed all the existing magistrates, burned the bags which contained the names of future officers, and formed a signoria from the arti maggiori, the arti minori, and the popolo minuto. He made the people lay down their arms, attack the chompi, and put them to flight. On August 31st, he laid down his office, having restored peace and quiet to the city. The chompi gained nothing by this outbreak. The people, when they had recovered from their excitement, refused to admit the popolo minuto to power. The signoria was to be drawn in future from the seven greater arti and the sixteen lesser in the proportion of four to five. The result of this revolution was to place the power in the hands of Salvestro de' Medici and his friends. The heads of the old Guelph party were exiled, and the leaders of the Ciompi as well, with the exception of Lando, who was treated as a hero. Florence remained quiet for some years without further disturbance. End of section 19